Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. episode of Home on the RNG. Hello. Uh, today we're going to talk about a game you've never heard of called Great Greed. Uh, it was a Game Boy RPG that... Did I introduce it to you or did you already know about it? Uh, well, let's go ahead and start with the personal history okay. section. Uh Russ, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Okay, well, my personal history with this game, like most JRPGs, is that I found it at some local game store when I was a kid. Um, I still have the original cart. I wanted to bring it today, but I didn't. So maybe in a future video, I will um, kind of do a little follow-up because I actually have this game. And it's the original one that I got back in the 1990s when it came out. So... Um, so I played it back then. I didn't beat it when I was a kid. I did not finish a lot of the games that I started when I was a kid. Um, but I did play it and owned it and eventually beat it later. Uh, it's amazing that you actually have a cart because I've tried over the past couple of years to get up. Nobody's heard of this thing. I go to a Game Over Video Games here in Austin. has a great selection of used video games, and they've got a computer system that keeps track of who has what at what store. They've never heard of this. They they ain't got a copy of it. Uh, I I didn't. But own, I have. I know it's. Yeah. Uh, I never, I never owned it. Uh, my best friend growing up, Rennie, had it for his Game Boy, and so I played it a little bit whenever whenever I was over at his place. But I never had it to play for myself, and I was always curious, like, what is the rest of that game? Because I only remember bits and pieces of it, and the bits and pieces I remembered were pretty weird. Uh, it is weird. And I never had a copy for myself, and you can't find it. Yeah. Nobody remembers this game. And so when I mentioned to Russ, I wanted to do this series where we talk about games, and I said, did you ever hear great hear about Great Greed? And he went, yes, I have it. Yeah. It blew my mind. And knowing how rare it is, I kind of wish it was worth millions of dollars. But no, probably not. It's probably worth two bucks because nobody believes it it's real. I think that's the other thing I'm proud of, is it works. I still have a working... Original Game Boy and that cart still works. So, so before we move on, anything else? Any fun, I great read stories about your so. life? Um, no, it wasn't <laughs> amazingly memorable. <laughs> I just, I only, I only know that I played it and didn't finish it until I was later when I was an adult. But well, and I guess it's time to get into the nuts and bolts, yeah. the story and characters. The story for Great Greed, in some respects, is fairly standard. It's a great evil 
that has to be destroyed by the plucky underdog. Uh, but there are a few elements that really make it stand out. The first is that this game is very heavily about environmental conservation. Which was really big in the 90s. So. I know, but it's... it's and, and alluding to it was fairly standard in games at the time. But this yeah. doesn't allude. No. This is flat out, uh, you're fighting biohazard. You like... Are, you, you, you are checking acid rain levels in the yeah, forest. Of that's Earth. what I was going to say. Is It's actually, the main character is pulled into this magical world from our world. It's like a Game Boy version of Captain N. He is pulled in while he's checking acid rain levels with yes, his father. He's an environmentalist hippie. Uh, from there, you, you're trying to track down uh, something that can defeat the evil biohazard. You're passed from royal family member to... Sorry, royal family daughter to royal yes. family daughter. Princesses. Uh, passed from princess to princess as you travel the realm, finding what can hurt Biohazard. Okay, now we can go lay the smack down on it. Um, I have a couple other notes. Calorie the dog bites it pretty early on. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't like anything where a dog dies. I don't like anything where a pet dies. The dog's um, collar becomes a crucial key item of the game. You wear it around your wrist, but in order to... You're basically walking around wearing a dead dog's collar <laughs> yeah. on your on your wrist the entire game. That seems pretty standard for a JRPG. Uh, and before I get into my next note, which bears a little bit off of the story, why don't you go ahead and talk about the characters? Yeah, the characters are definitely where the game kind of starts to get weird. <laughs> um, they're all uh, named after various foods. All of the princesses follow a like candy and dessert motif. Um, one of the girls actually is named Candy. Got gumdrop. Yes, there's also a gumdrop, a cupcake, a truffle, and a citrus. Um, and another unrelated girl. She's not a princess. So I think she got the short end of the stick, but Lollipop is another girl that follows you briefly. Well, and, and it's not just the princesses that get the name. Oh, no. All, all of the, the enemies. All yes. the enemies are named after food. Uh, the Great even, Wizard. The microwave. Microwave. Yes, and I like Cabbage Head from the first <laughs> town. Um, and the enemies look like food as well. A lot of them do. Um, I'm, I have a feeling the ones that don't are just Japanese food. Like, probably, I don't recognize that as food. Like, that first enemy is like a little cube of tofu. Yeah. yeah. And then some of them are like hot dogs and <clears throat> things like that. So, everything is about food, and all of the locations are also named after food. There's the land of sushi, and the land of spaghetti, and the land of escargot. And one thing about the way the story structure works is you go to each one of these little kingdoms, but it's self-contained. You can never go back to where you were. Yes. So it's like each game has a chapter. In that chapter, you're in this little realm. It has one town, one dungeon, one whatever. Uh, and there are then lots of points of no return. Yeah, every time you move on to the next little kingdom... You can't go back to any previous ones. Uh, and I'm making it sound like a bad thing, but I don't know. It, it's it, it's I just... I think it was a bad thing. No, it's it's interesting to have self-contained story elements. It's almost like, if it wasn't so short in a Game Boy game, it's almost like uh, Telltale Adventures, where yes, it's chapters. Very much. It's very chapter-oriented. Yeah, it's a, it's a serial game. And it never bothered me. I never felt like I was missing anything. And, each, having to move and not being able to go back. Right. Each city also has unique mechanics. Yes. Uh, in the first city, you have to take part in a political process. Mm. 
There is an evil politician, and you have to sway people over. Uh, there's a city where you change the laws of the town. That was my favorite one. That was uh, my specific memory was being really confused as a kid because about you what can, to do there. <laughs> you can make it illegal to go into the item store, and yes. if you try to go into the item store, the police come and demand money from you for going into the item store. Yes. Uh, uh, there's a mountain where you can't attack anybody or you have to start the mountain over again. So you get all these random encounters, but you're not allowed to attack, which is, I don't think I've ever had an RPG, right. except for that one boss fight in Final Fantasy IV, where don't attack. I actually had to do a little refresher course. I may have had to look it up about how to even run away from a battle because I was you know, trying to fight every battle that I could, and then all of a sudden you're not supposed to. Uh, one town where you have to turn an Amazon warrior into a beauty queen for weapon prizes. Favorite part of the game. Citrus, right? Citrus, yep. Uh, and then there's a town where if you linger too long outside, toxic fog will come and kill you. So they really, each little episode is self-contained, but they really mixed up the mechanics and tried something new. Uh, they tried, and I really think that's the story of Great Greed overall. They tried something different. It really is. It was this. This was a game that had a lot of ambitious ideas, and I think was only a victim of the hardware limitations. <laughs> Very much the so. Time. <laughs> uh, so, story and characters. Do you have anything else? Just the character. I loved the characters. I loved this. Is as as someone who's played so many JRPGs, especially the kind of JRPGs that we get today. I loved the princesses. <laughs> that you team up with in every country. Yeah, and I should point out, uh, so the princesses join your party. You don't have an actual party. It's just you. Yeah. But you get followers, sort of. You get a follower at a time, and each follower has a unique thing that she can do to help you out in battle. They assist you. Uh, in different ways. One of them heals you. Mm. Citrus attacks, although her attacks are pretty weak. Microwave will throw spells. Each one has their own unique way that they try to assist you in combat. You have no control over them, yes. But their little face shows up on the menu screen. And I like the flavor text. They add, they added a little feature where you can they can explain what's going on if you you know have forgotten a part of the plot or something. And they get, they give a little blurb and they, and it changes. Yeah. a lot. I mean, they have a lot of things to say, which is a good thing to do in a portable game because you know yeah. you're going to put it down, you're going right. to step away. It's good, and especially for the air. The, trying to do what their next quest is, even though it's not a quest log or anything. Right. All right. So who was your favorite girl? <laughs> Honestly, they didn't have a lot of personality from like you didn't spend enough time with any of them to get to know them as people. See, I, I guess I ran into it because <laughs> I thought they all had so much personality. <laughs> <laughs> Here I was going, they're all interchangeable. Like I yeah. can't really tell one from Citrus. another. I'll I'll say this citrus all the way. Uh, I I can see that she's a warrior woman. She attacks you upon your first meeting, and then she wins a beauty pageant. And who doesn't like a beauty queen warrior? What else can you ask for? <laughs> all right. So next up, we have combat system. All right. So the combat system for Great Greed is actually pretty unique for for JRPGs. Um, so all the different spells are assigned to different directions on the control pad. Uh, down is for healing, but then you can assign three other spells, left, right, and up. 
Uh, attack is A, I think B is block, and yeah. then select is run away, something like that. I had to look it up, but I think so. Uh, and so you just you hit whatever action you want to take in the combat, and then you and the enemy go at the same time. So you both deal damage to each other simultaneously, which means it's possible for, for you to die and still have technically won the combat, even though you've got a game over, yeah. because you could both just afterwards. I guess it's technically possible for you and the enemy to die at the same time. Yeah. At which point, I'm sure the enemy would win. It never happened to me. No, it didn't happen to me either, but it, it, it could. It could, theoretically. Uh, I don't remember any other RPG, and you're better at, you're going to have the answer to this. No, it where was. Where both attacked simultaneously. No, it was definitely unique. I, yeah, I cannot think off the top of my head of any RPG that has had that system. I can't think of any RPG that has had a similar system. Now, it's also, like a lot of turn-based games, if you take too long to determine what you're going to do, the enemy will just go. Yeah. The enemy will keep going, in fact. If you just sit there and wait, you will die. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the features that it uses that I love, that very few games do, every time you level up, you get full health and full mana back. Mm -hmm. I like that in a JRPG. It's a little... Not only did my stats go up a bit, but you get a little reward. It's super useful, like when you're in a dungeon or whatever. Yes, you can strategize the game with that. If you know you're fixing to level up, then you can use that as instant healing. Uh, and then we already talked about it's a party of one. Yes. But the supporter, the follower, usually one of the princesses, provides support in other ways, minor stat boosts. Right. Um, but yeah, it... It really is a very interesting combat system. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. Overall, I'm, I'm impressed with all the things this game attempts to do. Right, exactly. So you liked the combat system? Uh, I don't think that I... <laughs> I don't want to say that I want every game to have that kind right. of combat system, but I don't have any problems with it. Like, I'm glad they did it. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it it was works. interesting. I, I did not like it, just for the record. I did not like the combat <laughs> okay. at all. But it is interesting and unique. Yeah. So why didn't you like it? Probably just boring. I mean, as many JRPGs as I've played, there's not a lot of strategy involved. Yeah, I didn't feel spells. like spells. Yeah, I didn't feel like the spells really did anything outside of the healing and like some buffing spells. I didn't feel like the the, the elemental spells did Oh really yeah, and there were several spells in there, but I had no idea what they did. Yes, yeah. Like, why am I going to equip uh, Clarify as a spell? I don't know what that does. I've got Fire 3. I'm fine. <laughs> but at the same time, Fire 3 doesn't do any additional damage yeah. against certain types of monsters, which is what, even in the day, you expected. Elemental weaknesses. Exactly. Um, so I was not a fan, but it is unique. You know, it gets some points just for I, being so different. Yeah, I kind of want to give any JRPG points that doesn't follow Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior in terms of combat. Anything that varies from that, like, hey, you tried. Yeah. So next we'll move on to innovations. Uh, I actually have a lot listed here for innovations okay. because it was a pretty ambitious game for the Game Boy. Like, yes, we've alluded to a couple much. of times. They really tried to do a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, the ability to save anywhere, even in a dungeon. Yeah. Now, the ability to save a game anywhere you can is kind of essential for a portable game. Mm -hmm. But still, 
one this old, it's pretty surprising that they let you just save in the middle of a dungeon. No save points, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, I like that touch. Uh, we address the very linear gameplay. Once you go to a new country, right. that's the end. You're not going back. There's actually a moment that breaks the fourth wall. Yes, I did like that moment. Where Princess Gumdrop Green mm -hmm. says, Yes, the programmer gave us weird names. Deal with it. <laughs> and she's disguising herself with the name Marcella. Yes. To begin with. She's also, this I think is how I read a lot more into the characters than you did. Because she's crazy. Is she? She disguises herself as Marcella. She lies to her fiancé and his son about her true identity. And she can hear the voices of the programmer. Okay. So just think about that for a minute. <laughs> I, I'm always a fan of meta humor. Uh, you give me a fourth wall breaking joke and I'm pretty much on board. Um, trash items. Yeah. There are items that are literally trash you will find in some treasure chests. You can't drop them because no. the game says that would be littering. And it actually costs you a thousand gold to get rid of it, to sell it to somebody. Yeah. Instead of you getting... So basically, it's like, since you have a limited inventory, they're almost booby-trapped chests. Because, oh, I got trash! That's a slot I was going to use for something useful, yeah. and now I can't. And it costs a thousand gold to get rid of it. That really... I tried to play the game blind using only the knowledge that I remembered from when I was a kid, and there's like a room of trash <laughs> at one point in the game, and I reset. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, I'm not saying I like it, but it is definitely something I haven't seen before. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's irritating as all get out, because you're in it. I'm one of those guys who likes to open every chest and explore every nook and cranny. Except now I know certain chests are going to do nothing but hurt me. <laughs> and so now every time I see a chest, I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it. No. Uh, there's actually an autosave system in this. Mm -hmm. I, this may be the earliest autosave I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I have no idea how it works exactly, but the first time I got a game over is when I found out, oh, wow, it saved for me. <laughs> like, it, it seems to just save every couple of minutes automatically for you. I can't believe... Hey, I don't think there's any other Game Boy game that has that. No, none I can think of. And I certainly can't remember any other game from that era having autosave. No. That's something that came along with more modern consoles, the PS2, PS3. And it's so convenient, especially for the, you know, the handheld game that it is. Yeah. You know, what if, you're, what if your battery dies? Don't worry. Autosave. Autosave. Like... <laughs> How did Great Greed manage to find the technology for autosave and, like, no NES game did? Yeah. No SNES game did. How does that... I, that's really one of the most mind-blowing things. Uh, this next topic I know you're really going to want to talk about, so I'm going to skip it to the last. Uh, beating the game unlocks the sound and monster gallery. Yes. That's another... That, exactly. That is, like, a staple in modern games. But what game was doing that? On the Game Boy back in the day. Yeah, what Game Boy had, game had hidden modes that you unlock by beating the game? And my favorite, of course, was the little biographies it gave for each character. Oh, see, that's where you read into them. Maybe I didn't, I don't think I Maybe saw that. Maybe did you not read the biography? I, I, yeah. Once I beat the game, I was done. My most favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, here I think is where Russ is going to, Russ is going to take over for a little while. 
There's actually multiple endings. There are this multiple game. endings. Because yeah. at the end of the game, after you've saved the kingdom, the king lines up all his daughters, his bodyguard is there, the old, old lady wizard, microwave is there, his wife is there, the queen, and he says, you can marry any one of my daughters that you want. Except it's not limited to his daughters. No. You can marry the bodyguard. Yes. Lunchbox. You can marry the queen. Yes. You can marry the king. The king. You can marry the old lady. You <laughs> it prefers for you to marry one of the daughters. Right. Because you have That's to go through a couple more. To do. You can go through a couple more dialogue options. You can even marry Gumdrop, who's engaged. Yes. Again. You break her up with her fiance, and then she marries you. Yes. And that's why she's crazy. You marry the queen, and the king just spends the whole ending crying. (laughs) (laughs) You're the hero. I guess we'll divorce my wife, and you can marry her. And the queen's like, I don't know why we're doing this, but okay. Like, whoever it is goes with it. Definitely the best part. This is why I think this game needs a 3DS remake <laughs> with an actual dating sim aspect. Okay. That is the first thing I thought when I reached the end. But that's your opinion on any game. Like, it needs a dating sim. <laughs> Dead Rising, it'd be great, but could we have a dating sim with the zombies? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I like a dating sim aspect in my game. Borderlands. Could I date the guns? Yes. Like, I want the guns to have different personalities. So, who did you marry? Uh, I think I went with Citrus, actually. Yeah. See, that. That's what I'm telling you. But, Citrus like, is the best. there's even, like, the 11-year-old girl. Yes. And the king's like, okay, fine. You can wait six years and marry yeah. her. And I'm glad that it threw that in. You can choose not to marry anybody. Right. And then at the end, you just end up with your dad. I'm saying multiple endings, but it's all of two minutes of gameplay, yeah. maybe. That's you get a conversation with whoever you married, and then you get teleported back to the real world. Then at the end of the credits, you see yourself standing next to who you married. If but you married still, nobody, you were dad. It's a great little touch for a game of its time. And it's an amazing touch when you consider that they, okay, you want to marry a dude, go ahead. It's yeah. not like they didn't limit it. You, They had to program that in. Right. Somebody exactly. had to sit down and go, what if they want to marry Lunchbox? <laughs> what if they want to marry the king? The king is very confused if you pick him, too. He's like, I don't know why you're picking me, but okay, I guess we're married now. If you, this is what you think is smart, um, okay. Very ahead of its time. The king is very shocked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's amazingly progressive. Like, that and the auto-save system. Like, where the hell did this game come from? Uh, did you have any other innovations, any other things that stuck out to you as weird or different? No, I think you pretty much covered it on the innovations. Um, I just I just appreciated the, the... I appreciated the dungeons. The dungeons always had a little mechanic. Most of them had a little mechanic, um, you know, where you can only move in certain directions. Kind of a little bit of a puzzle feel to it. Uh, the record dungeon. The record. There's the record dungeon and the one in the sewer, and you had to follow the flow of the water, and then there's a dungeon where you weirdly have to like touch baby birds <laughs> oh that's right and then the mama bird oh. comes and flies you around to different random locations yeah it's a teleporting system yeah. based on the mama bird not wanting you to bother its baby right yeah so yes. i appreciate that you know nature. I, think, I think that that was pretty interesting all right so next we're going to move on to the topic that we are woefully unprepared to do music 
So, uh, I thought the music was decent for a Game Boy game. Yeah, I really enjoyed the music. Um, I felt like they... The thing that I liked the most about it, the thing that caught my attention first, was there are actually multiple um, battle themes for just the random encounters. Did you notice that at all? <laughs> I don't know how I didn't. <laughs> yes. This is how little attention I paid to music. Right, yeah. You pay no attention to music. I really don't. I don't know anything about music, but I do pay attention to music in games, and I did appreciate that. I felt like it had a, a decently large soundtrack for a game of its time, especially you know considering that random battles had different different themes for different monsters. What I thought was interesting, uh, the opening sound, the opening theme, when you first turn the game on, goes on for like two or three minutes before yeah. it loops, and you're talking about a song where ninety nine percent of the players are going to hear three seconds of it. Yeah. Because who sits and watches the t opening title screen of a Game Boy game? No, you turn on the game, you start playing. Yeah. But it goes on for a while. Like, they actually tried. Uh, I was actually curious, so I looked up. I wanted to see who the composer was. I don't know why on earth I wanted to. But the composer is listed as Chopin. <laughs> now, I don't know. So he was resurrected from the grave. I, I don't know enough about Chopin to know if maybe they took Chopin music and Game Boy did. I got no clue. Or if that's just an alias that the guy who put the music together used. I don't know. I even played Eternal Sonata for all of you out there that uh, have also played that and know your RPGs. And again, I don't know anything about Chopin music. Um, yeah, so as far as music goes, I think like every other element of this game, they... Tried. I think they really did. I think it was pretty ambitious for it. Now it's still it's Game Boy music. It's not. Yeah. Russ and I are not going to sit here and listen to it to unwind and relax at the end of a long day. But man, they really tried to make the most with what they had. Yeah, they did. I I commend them on the soundtrack. I as I usual. Commend, I commend Chopin on the soundtrack. <laughs> I hit from from beyond the grave. <laughs> I send this. This is well his final work. It will stand yeah. testament. This is his lifelong achievement. Yes. Congratulations, <laughs> Chopin. Uh, I, I, as as usual, was indifferent to music. That's yeah. that's just me. I'm afraid it was good. It's not. Yeah, it's not anything I'm going to listen to for fun. I have the soundtrack. With me. But good. Of course you do. I, I I created clips of the soundtrack for, to put together the video. So well, if you ever want to hear it, yes, I'll listen to it and unwind. Okay, uh, so uh, I think it's time for Final Thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, so I've got two more things on here that we didn't address earlier. First of all, I felt like it had a really high random encounter rate. Very high, yes. Uh, that was obnoxious. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I like for a game to, first of all, I really prefer random encounters when you can see the enemy coming. Yeah. So less random, I guess. Well, you couldn't do that in this game. No, no. On a Game Boy game. No, and that, that's unfair. I'm just saying where my position is, where I'm coming from. Right. My preference is always the Earthbound style, where you see the monster and you can right. approach it from various. Uh, but the encounter rate on this was just, it seemed, there were times where I do a random fight, take a step, do another random fight, yeah. take two steps, fighting. Oh, my but God. that's where it came in handy that a level up would restore all steps. of your aim. Yeah, and I guess, I guess maybe the argument could be made because I feel like we play games at a much faster pace these mm -hmm. days. 
this was a Game Boy game. Remember when you were a kid and you play it for an hour here, an hour there? I, it would lengthen the enjoyment of the it game. It did. Yeah, definitely. If you could turn off the random, if you could just turn off encounters in this game, I think the, the, the gameplay would go by so fast. Yeah, I felt like with that, I felt like maybe there was a little bit too much grinding. I felt like you were grinding more for money than you were grinding for experience. I felt like the equipment made you much stronger. Um, and maybe the random encounters went with that. Well, and that comes into my other note here. Yeah. I hate it. And you can't tell me this game couldn't have done it because of all the other stuff accomplished. <laughs> I hate it when you're playing one of these JRPGs and you don't have a way to know if this new piece of equipment is better than what you've got. Right. Until after you buy it and try it on. Yes. I hate that. Just show me a little up arrow, a little down arrow. Let me know if what I'm spending my hard-earned money on right. is worse than what I'm using. I get it. Because, you know, it's not like you can tell is a cutter better than a scimitar. Right. It seemed like that happened a lot because you found a lot of equipment. So you would and you equip get... things that you found and then you would get to a new shop and then you wouldn't know if the equipment you could buy was better or worse. Yeah, I, the high encounter rate and that would probably be the yeah. two things I really disliked about this game. Yes. They're really the only things I disliked about the game on a serious level. Yeah, I, I liked the game overall. I did too. Uh, I think possibly the most profound statement you had was, I'd like a 3DS remake. Like, I'd yeah. like a modern remake of this game. I really would. I have it all mapped out in my head. <laughs> Dating sim aspect with the uh, princesses and then all of the characters designed in the motif of the food that they're named after. Okay, I can see that. Maybe spend some more time with the characters. Obviously, expand yeah. each little kingdom. So maybe people like me who aren't inventing backstories for these characters can get a little... It probably comes back to me playing most of these games in my childhood and you maybe playing them for the first time now. Yeah. I invented a lot of this stuff in my head when I was a kid <laughs> and had the most active imagination that anybody could think of. I probably would have. If I played it as a kid, I would have invented more backstory, but... Uh, yeah, I'd love to see a modern remake that allowed this game to really stretch what it's trying to do. Yeah. Because for all of it, like, it tried to do that political contest, but what did that come down to? Go out and kill five monsters. Right. Like, I like the concept. I like what you're trying to do. Go out and kill five monsters. Oh, so close. And yet. <laughs> right. Uh, and each kingdom is very small. It really very is. Small. It's a town, a dungeon. Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe one place of interest yeah. for each kingdom. Uh, the linear, the the linear nature of the game, I, I wouldn't mind keeping like that. I wasn't bothered one way or the other by that, but expanding it, mm -hmm. I'd love. I I really I would line up to play it. And it's a shame. I don't. We're never gonna see it. Oh, never. Nobody's never. ever heard of this. Nobody game. knows about this game. Even the company that made it doesn't know what the hell this game is. <laughs> but. But it's worth it, yeah. That I think you've summed it up. It's a game ahead of its time. It it tried to do the most it could with what it had, and it it surpassed some things. Autosave system, mm -hmm. Mer uh, gender equality. I, well, <laughs> not gender equality. What am I trying to say? The the ability to pick whatever Mar gender you want. Yeah, marriage rights. <laughs> uh, sexual equality. Something. Yeah. It was okay to be gay. In great grief. It was. <laughs> and that's that's not common. A shame that characters like Lunchbox and Timeout was the other guy. Oh, yeah. 
they didn't get to join you. No, no, you just got princesses. But in the remake, they would. In the remake, you would be able to recruit those male characters as well. So, Russ and I are going to learn how to code. Yes. And we are going to create a remake, <laughs> a of, remake Greg. of Greg Reed for the 3D. And that's when we'll find out who heard of the game, right. because the creators will then stop us with a lawsuit. Like, you will never see a remake unless we started to make one, and then all of a sudden, the lawyers would come and punch us in the nuts. That's that's how that would go. Basically. Uh, so, that's it. That's it for our reviewer so overall grade for the game. Uh, how do we want to grade it? Do we want to do ABCD? Do we want to do I would think ABCD. For what I was trying to do, like I get it. I, I, now I'm taking into account the time when it came out because the features that irritate me, it's mm -hmm. hard to hold against it. The the hardware yeah, limitations, limitations for what it was, a Game Boy game RPG from the 90s. I'll give it an A. Okay, I'll go with a B, and mainly just because of the battle system. I think even <laughs> for the even for the time, even and even though it was a unique. They could have done something different <laughs> other than that. But but it still gets a B because everything else was so ambitious and I loved all the princesses. So yeah, you give this boy a collection of princesses, and after yeah. he's done looking up their skirts. Now now. The first thing you did when you got <laughs> the Princess Peach Amiibo, was it? Well, I had to make sure she wasn't legless. <laughs> there was that legless one online that I think sold for a million dollars. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so now that I've thoroughly embarrassed Russ in front of the audience, uh, thank you for joining us for this first episode of Home on the RNG. Thank you for joining us for Great Greed. Uh, next time, we're going to discuss one of Russ's favorite games, Russ. Lufia and the Fortress of Doom. So we'll see you then. Bye. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaurproductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you. Whenever we start with the section, here's what's fun. Since there's going to be a title card for each section, it's kind of a little break for us. Are we filming this? We're going to edit this. I'm going to edit this out. Okay. That's what I'm explaining to you. <laughs> I'm like, is this part of it? No, this is, this is what Am I'm I explaining. Am supposed to just be like, yeah. This is what I'm explaining to you. Thank you for being a friend. Really? I will, I will follow anywhere that you tell me to. <laughs>